1: Police, what's your emergency? This
2: is Lauren. They're trying to lure me somewhere.
1: He was deceptive. He was dangerous.
2: I'm pissed. That could have changed everything.
1: The justice system failed her in so many different ways.
2: Looking like this might be kidnapping.
0: You have a powerful institution that is trying to protect his image. She did everything right, and nobody did anything from that point on. She said, no, no, no,
1: no, no, no. And I knew something was wrong. Hey,
0: everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. The clip you just heard was from a 90-minute documentary called Listen, which is available right now on ESPN+. Plus and ESPN Plus on Hulu. My guests this week are Nicole Norin, a longtime investigative producer and director for ESPN, and TJ Quinn, the longtime investigative reporter for ESPN. They're here to discuss their reporting over a four-year period on University of Utah athlete Lauren McCluskey. She was a 21-year-old heptathlete who was murdered in 2018 by a man. She briefly dated uh, TJ and Nicole have spent many hours and many years now reporting her story, and their reporting is the focus of a multi-platform initiative this week on ESPN, including Listen, as I mentioned, which is what the opening clip is from. There's a two-hour 2020 report this Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, that goes into the death of and murder, I should say, of Lauren McCluskey and TJ Nicole's reporting. There's a written piece on ESPN.com that you can check out as well. And again, it's uh, it's really impressive and compelling reporting. It's an awful story about institutions letting Lauren McCluskey down, and um, it's important. It's really, really important reporting, and I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping people will watch it. And so TJ and Nicole come on to talk about how they went about this, the challenge of getting things like. Uh, public records and surveillance videos uh the institutional failures that happen in this case how to navigate getting publicity for the story but without being exploitive and then finally uh you'll sort of hear the postscript on all this so investigative reporters nicole Norin and tj quinn coming up on the sports media podcast all right as i said at the top Nicole Noren is a longtime investigative producer and director for ESPN. TJ Quinn is a longtime investigative reporter for ESPN. He has, of course, been on this podcast a number of times, actually, in the last couple of months to talk about his reporting on Brittany Griner. They are here today to discuss their reporting over a four-year period on University of Utah athlete Lauren McCluskey. She was a 21-year-old heptathlete who was murdered in 2018 by a man she briefly dated. Her story is one of uh, vast institutional failure by the university, by its campus police, and other institutions. Uh, she was failed pretty much at every turn, and this documentary, in very much painstaking detail, retraces how that happens. Their reporting will be the focus of a two-hour 2020 report on ABC this Friday at 9 p.m. They also narrate a 90-minute documentary called Listen that's available on ESPN+. Plus as well as ESPN Plus on Hulu. There is a written component of this on ESPN.com, and I believe at some point there will be a podcast as part of the ESPN Daily. And with that, I bring on Nicole Norin and TJ Quinn. Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having us.
1: Thanks.
0: All right, Nicole, I'm going to start with you. Um, The story obviously became very important to both of you. You spent four years on it. This is not a star athlete. This is not somebody who would be well-known. But for both you and TJ, this, this became very, very important. And I guess for ESPN sort of extended, it became important. So why, why was this story something that you wanted to commit four years of your reporting life to?
2: Well, when we started watching what was happening with the story uh, four and a half years ago, right after Lauren's murder... It, it just became clear to us that there was a lot more that um, perhaps needed to be dug, dug into and it, it hits on topics that we've covered um, fairly often at ESPN and that's campus gender-based violence and other issues um, but it's just very timely to us to look at how campus police um, dealt with uh, a crime like this and and before the crime and also the larger institutions uh, just there's a lot of there are a lot of elements that um, we thought, deserve to be, um, have the resources and time to look into them.
0: What about for you, TJ?
1: Well, it was, I mean, I I don't know that we set out saying, okay, let's, let's put four years into this. It was more, let's just see where it goes. Like Nicole said, it was this recognition. It's going to need a full-on commitment. Um, and then once, once you started getting into it and once we got to know, uh, Lauren's parents, Matt and Jill McCloskey, you feel a sense of obligation to to getting the whole thing, to getting it right. Um, that's one advantage about where we are is we had the time to do that. We didn't have to worry about the day to day things. So you know the the amount of video that you see in it, you know, it's, it's not something somebody could have gotten in a month. I mean that was that was Nicole who was getting that, and it you know some of it had to be fought for. Um, it took a long long time to get. Uh, you know the pandemic didn't help either with with getting it out but that time allowed us to really dig as deeply and to go back after some people who were not inclined to talk early but but later were um and then the other thing you know and, and i think part of the reason that i was brought onto the project it was originally nicole who had pitched it was i'd worked in salt lake city 27 years ago with the tribune had familiarity there um, and then just as soon as I, I think for both of us, once we knew more about her and what happened, you just felt, okay, this is, you, you, we, we owe it to her.
0: Nicole, how would you classify the process of trying to get records out of the University of Utah? <laughs> it
2: um, Well, it's always complicated when there is a, a, an active lawsuit. So that's really important to, um, to include in which the... the Lauren's parents sued the school and the larger um, institution, the state, um, in June of 2019. So we knew there was going to be a lot of um, reluctance to cooperate um, because of that. Uh, In general, though, it was very helpful that we knew these things existed due to the information in the police report that was released. Um, I think we submitted over 15 public records requests um, in our time working on it. And I have to say, there was, um, it was definitely challenging at times, but there also was a lot of work that the university did to cooperate and and hand stuff over. There was just a a long process to kind of get to some of that point. Um, We we had to involve the um, state records committee in Utah um, on multiple occasions. Um, We had a couple hearings, public hearings there, um, battling over some of the material. Um, But yeah, it ended up, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, assets and material that we obtained that we were we were only able to obtain because um, of the cooperation of Lawrence's parents, though. Um, it's an interesting those people who know public records and, and institutional public records, records, we could say education records that fall under FERPA. Uh, there's a different level that happens when a student is deceased and oftentimes records are more available. But in this case, because of the lawsuit and other things, I think there was a it was a little bit more challenging. Um, but Jill, there were some some a lot of the stuff that's in the film, we would not really have been able to obtain if Jill McCluskey had not signed off on some of it, because it fell into a realm where the school could make it. They and they were making an argument for some of it that it fell under privacy, just an extra level of privacy. Um, but it's fascinating. Like, for instance, with surveillance videos, I don't know if people really realize this. I learned a lot more about it because of this story. But surveillance videos on campuses all over—they um, are education records, and so they there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that people don't really realize. And and the legal next of kin, when when a student is deceased, the legal next of kin um, they have a lot of power to get a lot of information from public schools. So that's that's a factor too. That just Helped us out in that in that realm. Sadly, the fact that Lauren is no longer alive.
0: I'm going to get to the surveillance videos uh, in a bit because it's it's obviously a very big part of the of the storytelling aspect of this. Before that, though, TJ, you know, I do want to ask you about ESPN's commitment here because, like, the reality is, if you don't have a commitment from your employer on this, this story isn't going to happen. They they give you the freedom in terms of years to do this they clearly give you the resources in terms of you know travel budget and expending whatever you had to do as nicole mentioned on trying to get public records um the the outreach of this is pretty significant it's a it's a 90 minute documentary as well as a 2 hour 2020 show um I'm not really sure, like my question, other than I don't want to say, are you surprised at this? But, you know, you have worked on pieces before, probably more high profile people who haven't necessarily gotten this kind of outreach treatment. And I'm happy that it is getting this outreach treatment. But what's, you know, what's your thought there? If nothing else, it just seems like the investigative department at ESPN, like this was a story that really meant something to them.
1: Well, I mean, it it did. And it was, and I don't want to make it sound like we just got a blank check and we're told here, go do whatever. I mean, it's obviously a lot easier to get that if it's it's Barry Bonds or, or, you know, Lance Armstrong or something and um, you know, far more familiar names. Um, You know, nobody knew Laura McCluskey before this. Um, So you, you did have to make this case that, Hey, look, there's something worth getting here. And, I mean, a lot of that started with the pitch. And again, that was Nicole's, you know, Nicole's vision for how that would go. Um, Our boss, Chris Buckle, was the one who was responsible for, you know, really making those connections to make sure we did have money and time to do it. It's never an issue with time so much. That's the one thing about investigative work is, you know, typically you've got the time. But was there money? Like you said, it was a significant commitment. And you do have points all along where people up the chain say, okay, what's going on with this? Is it worth it? Um, Especially when, you know, as we see this week, notice goes out uh, from from Disney that some colleagues are gonna lose their jobs. People are paying attention to the money. So what we had to keep showing them was that the material we were getting was worth it. That the story we were gonna be able to tell at the end of the day was, was so compelling. That it deserved the company's commitment. It's not like you know we can always go with anything we want to do, um, I, but I think what we knew all along, and what Chris Buckle knew all along, was this was a story worth telling. And in the end, yeah, what, what we got, what we needed, we got, and you know we're able to present something that you know I, I think we both feel strongly is a is a complete story, um, the way that we wanted to tell it.
0: Cole, I want to go back to the surveillance videos because they really tell a story here. Um, there is chilling security camera footage of the person who murdered Lauren um, going in, at, going in and out of her dorm the day he killed her. There's footage of him uh, fist bumping somebody who let him into the dorm. Um, at a certain point you tj and and the the people who are producing and editing this you have to make a decision on on what you want to show and how much you want to show so two-part question here one the server i imagine once you saw these surveillance videos you knew that they could really be compelling in terms of emotional for the viewer but at the same time right you you have to make a decision in terms of how much of the stuff you want to show
2: yeah, um, I'll I'll handle that one because uh, we were in the edit room. <laughs> but there was definitely a lot of thought into how much is necessary to show and or heading into the realm of we don't want to sensationalize it at all. Um, and that that comes up particularly in there's a clip from when Lauren was just about to break up with that her ex-boyfriend. And she meets him at the door um, of the dorm and they kiss and then they walk past the camera together. Um, we thought really long and hard about how many times it should be appropriate to show that video. And I we do not show it um that often. Uh, but there, you know, there's 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 a lot of moments like that that are just yeah, throughout you mentioned that that he's at the door in and out um that day. And then just throughout, I we were struck um by just how uh, close he was to uh, catching her or running into her before that, based on the video, there's times where she's going in one student union or um, building or kind of a food area building. And then he would a couple minutes later be going in a different door, like just like looking for her in there and all over. You see that he was, roaming around campus and essentially hunting her um, in the period all before that that actual evening when he does grab her right outside of her dorm.
0: Nicole, uh, I want to ask you this, and TJ, you're welcome to follow. Um, One of the frustrating things in watching your documentary is just sort of the processes that exist, whether it's the campus police, uh, whether it's uh, the murderer talking to someone at his employment place and that not being followed up there, the documentary sort of exposes different points in the system where um, either protocols seemed to be missing or lax, or there was a minimizing of complaints. One of the things I thought about, I don't know the answer to this, is like how widespread would this be institutionally across the United States in terms of college campuses? And Nicole, I wonder if you just have any, have any thoughts on that, even based on your other reporting.
2: Yeah, we... We definitely know based on previous stories we've done that um there is absolutely a trend of of young women or women in general, not just young, be, not being taken seriously when they come forward with complaints of harassment and stalking. Um, but this in this case, just to concentrate on Lauren's, they're absolutely um it, it wasn't Necessarily that people did not take her se- seriously, like on the surface, they, they that what, what happened was what she presented was that it was an extortion case. And so they were looking into that. And that's what they thought it was, um, because her ex-boyfriend was threatening to expose nude photos unless she she gave him money. And she did send him a thousand dollars and then attempted to send another thousand. But when people heard about so the, the when the police were thinking it was a, this kind of extortion case, they. We've, we'd heard multiple times that, well, she didn't report any other threats of violence or any fears, and which is technically true, because we we know her witness statement, and we see her witness statement, but that what happened was that they later learned is that there were signs that there was something else going on. And the sad thing is just the the procedures in place that week at the campus police didn't lead to people following up further and asking more questions. For instance, they didn't have a policy of engaging with adult probation and parole in Utah, which is the agency that oversees parolees, had um, no one had been trained to check parole sta- the parole status of people there at the campus police either. So that was a, a major breakdown. But there was also TJ can expand on it more. There um, there were other breakdowns involving uh, Roland's uh, employer as well and employees.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean you had um so much attention was on that initial complaint that she made, as Nicole said, but when she walked into uh, in, into the police station that day, the the two officers taking her report had no idea that she and her mother had been in contact with police days earlier when she was trying to get her car back from him and her mother had told the dispatcher, I'm really concerned this guy she's dating turns out to be a sex offender. Um, I'm worried something will happen. The patrol officers had no idea um there was no communication from one shift to the next and then you had nobody supervising after the case was assigned to a detective um she had a number of other things on her plate she um she was the the detective on call that day but we had several people tell us that she was told by her, her supervisor that day no don't go in just deal with it when you come back on Tuesday this was on a Saturday um, she didn't contact Lauren for a week. And there was nobody tracking that. There was nobody keeping track of the case from one day to the next. The dispatcher who was was working when uh, they first ran his name uh, was had been on the job for a month. Um, as Nicole said, nobody there had ever checked someone's parole status. No one knew how. Um, it was a huge breakdown. And when the university finally issued a statement to us, um, when we were at the end of our reporting, they described it as as dysfunctional um, the you see those breakdowns. And, and, you know, it, it's kind of maddening because the pieces were there, but everybody who was connected to it, I mean, one phone call to, to adult probation and parole would have shown that this guy's a convicted sex offender on parole. His parole agent could have taken him on a 72 hour hold to figure out, was he actually blackmailing her? Um, and then as a result of uh, audio recordings we got later from the investigation police did after her death, it turns out that he told co-workers at, he was working at a call center for global dynamics information technology. He actually told co-workers, including a supervisor, six days before he killed Lauren that he had been blackmailing her, that he was a parolee, was worried about going back to to back to prison. uh he even showed one of them the statutes that he thought he had violated, um which would have been immediate cause to arrest him and charge him now with with a felony. Um, and he, again, he would have been back in prison. and nobody said a thing. Check out our new NBA show Beyond the arc part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider, Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week, talking all things NBA, whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA. Our new show is the place to be five days a week, download and follow beyond the arc on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I
0: have uh, two more for you. I'm going to start with you, Nicole, but, uh tj please follow you know the this story is challenging in so many ways and one of the challenges and this is not something that i teach in journalism school is how do you navigate getting publicity getting people interested in this story without being exploitive about the story and i wonder if that's something that you guys have thought about if espn thinks about because it's you know it's a challenge to 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 honor the victim here, but at the same time, not to exploit the tragedy.
2: I think that the very nature of this case, with so much of it being on institutional failures, um, to me has been, I just, I I just know from working on it for four years, people's interest um, is very different. It seems bigger and that it's a trend that hits with a lot of people who might either have kids in college or they were there's, I mean, to be honest, so many, so many women I know um, have either experienced it themselves or have friends who have, when they have tried to come forward uh, to get help um, when they're younger. And so I th- this, the tragic thing is, is I think it just hits home with a lot of people. We haven't um, like, we're definitely concerned about, we don't want it to seem like we are exploiting uh this story or, or in any way, but I think it just naturally piques people's interest because of the broader institutional failures, though, and the personal connection that sadly many people have um, in their own lives, whether um, what you know, dealing with uh dating violence or dealing with police um, when there are situations that are in this gray area of when it's not quite it's like the early warning signs of toxic relationships. I think a lot of people have sadly have experience with.
0: That's what's sadly well said. TJ, what about you? Again, you know, both you, Nicole, as long as I've known you are examples of people who I think have the right tone and tenor on this, but, um, but you know, there is a navigation here because like, um, you know, ultimately you're talking about, at least for some people, the singular worst day of their lives. So you want to be respectful of that. At the same time, you have a story that's really, really important that people should hear.
1: No, I, I mean, I think, I, I think we always have that in mind with every decision we made, especially when we're sitting with Matt and Jill McCluskey and asking them about the single worst thing any parent can imagine. And as you know, people who are familiar with the story um, are are aware they were on the phone with her when when he grabbed her and then and then later killed her, and they you know heard her screaming. And I, I think it had to. I, I don't know how you, like you said, it's not something easily, you know, taught in a journalism school. I think it was just simply going into it with a respect for them. Um, I mean, if there was any tricky part to navigating it, it's it's remembering that while they're entrusting us with her story and while you, you want to do right by Lauren and, and her legacy, you always have to remember that whether it's Whether it's the police you're speaking to, or whether it's Lauren's parents, whether it's her friends, whether it's university officials, you have to have the same open-mindedness and scrutiny about everything that everybody says. That Matt and Jill, you know, entrusted us with a lot. were incredibly open with us, but we had to remember the obligation is to the story, not to be advocates for them. Um, And there were a couple times we had to go back to them with very sensitive things that we had that we had learned and they were always fantastic. They always just seemed to understand our job was tell a complete story. Um, and sometimes with their friends, they would say things to you that were you know, incredibly well-meaning, but not always, it didn't turn out that, to be accurate. Not because they were trying to mislead us, um, but because people are human and memories are faulty. And, and everybody's seeing the story through the filter of their grief and, so i think for us it was always remembering just what do the facts show what 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 are the documents the the evidence everything that we get what story does that tell um so yeah you know, and 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 throughout it, it's not just the the two of us by any stretch first of all you know both of us owe this unbelievable debt to willie weinbaum in particular for all his work you know willie well um you know Raina banks mike drago laura pertell um all the people who who worked on this everybody had that sensibility that we are not doing this for anything prurient we're not doing it uh to sensationalize it it is you know what is the story that needs to be told i'm mark chapman welcome to the planet premier league podcast
0: the university says in a statement that it acknowledges and deeply regrets that it doesn't handle Lauren's case as it should have. Uh, employees fail to fully understand and respond appropriately to Lauren's situations. As a result, we failed Lauren and her family. I, I'm not, I don't remember if you guys either read that on the doc or that appears in some kind of graphic, but then you have a, then, then your piece ends with a postscript, which is just beyond infuriating. And it's about, the University of Utah, which recently has agreed to pay $5 million to the parents of slain international student, I hope I pronounced her name right, Zifan Dong, in a settlement for the school's failure to recognize that she was in danger in the days before she was killed by her boyfriend. Here's what the Salt Lake City Tribune wrote. Records about her experience and her death were released by the flagship school after five months, about five months later after the Salt Lake tribune push for transparency in the case the events described in the document strongly mirror mistakes made by the university in the 2018 murder of student-athlete lauren mccluskey i mean as a reporter and just as a human being it just this must it just must be so infuriating to you because it seems that years later the same kind of mistakes were made in yet another young woman's life
2: yeah it's Very, um, that's why we do these types of stories is to try to help, uh, prevent it from happening again. So then to, in the course of reporting this, have, um, a very similar situation. Um, there were definitely, um, similarities but the main breakdown in, in the the more recent case with his iPhone dong was in the housing realm um, and breakdowns um, with that department, um, which there also were, as you'll see in the, as people will see in the film, there are breakdowns in Lauren's case with the housing department as well. But yeah, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, you think that you would, one would hope that through all the um, lessons that were learned um, and, dedication to improvements that these incidents won't happen again. Um, but sadly in, um, 2022 it, it did. And yeah, it was, a. I mean, that's, as people will hear, um, Jill and Matt, um, have made huge efforts to try to raise awareness and try to prevent these types of things from happening again. And people were, people can hear, um, In the doc towards the end, uh, Matt and Jill discussing that and Jill saying that's what kind of helps them move on every day is to try to um, prevent this. And then to have it happen again at the University of Utah uh, was just very um, tragic for everyone involved.
0: TJ, let me end with you on this. And that's there's one thing from this that I took away that actually was on an optimistic uh, plane. I was so impressed by Lauren's friends. Uh, these were young people, you know, you would know their ages, but look looked to me like at the time they were all under 22, 21 years old. They all tried to do the right thing. They actually all like tried in their positions as best they could to do the right thing and to in, inform people. The adults in this situation let them all down. But I, I don't know that if I was trying to find one takeaway that was. It's certainly not uplifting, but at least positive. Was it? It did make me feel good that, like the young people part of the story, actually tried to do the right thing here.
1: They, you know, it. it I hadn't really thought of it that way because we've been so focused on everything else and and what the system should have done and people and authorities should have done. <laughs> But her friends were there for her. I mean, yeah, they even when Lauren wasn't identifying problems, they saw things going on in this relationship. I mean, again, she only dated this guy about you know a month, um, or you know about or five weeks, but she uh, th- they saw things that they didn't like. They spoke up. um, and there's, you know one person in particular who's a little older, Diamond Jackson, who was the you know uh, the housing supervisor who was also Lauren's friend in the lengths that she went to to, to try to get people's attention. Um, yeah. There was a recognition that, you know, no, if you, if you have questions about a friend, you think she's in crisis, you don't just sit there and do nothing about it. I mean, they kept, they kept trying to do things. And, you know, and from, from that point on, you know, what, what was clear throughout and what we try to make clear in both the way we tell the documentary and, and the written story was the confusion that Lauren had throughout, and how the system is supposed to account for somebody who doesn't, uh, who doesn't know what's going on to her? Who's confused about you know what sort of threat there really was? But it is amazing that it's her friends, the ones who've had no training, no expectations, who realize, no, this is not right. This guy is bad news, and somebody needs to step in.
2: Yeah, to expand on TJ's point about her friends they absolutely um noticed the very early red flags of a a toxic relationship and took steps um to do something and uh, we've noticed an absolute trend and i think this is an influence of having more stories about um relationships and signs and what people should notice that they've um we had actually heard that the i don't know if people are familiar with the one love foundation it's a well known now dating violence um a nonprofit that came about after a high profile murder at the university of Virginia. Um, But they, their training had been done at the, at the university of Utah. So about this, about dating violence and the signs. And so it seems that absolutely um, there's a trend that is improving I think with, with younger people to speak out when they see something, they say something, but the, the disconnect is who is listening and who is going to take action. And it is a that, that hasn't fully caught on. And there, there are great signs in campus police and police in general across with a victim centric approach, but we've noticed, and that's hopefully what people will take away from this doc is that it, action needs to be taken. If people are coming forward and speaking out and saying something.
0: Nicole Noren is a longtime investigative producer and director for ESPN. TJ Quinn is an investigative reporter for ESPN. They have spent the last four plus years reporting on the murder of University of Utah athlete Lauren McCluskey. She was 21, a heptathlete, when she was murdered in 2018 by a man she briefly dated. Their reporting is the focus of a multi-platform um initiative this week on espn including a 90-minute documentary called listen which is available on espn plus and espn plus on hulu 2020 will have a report on this story on friday on abc there's a written piece that'll be on espn this week and at some point espn audio will have uh we'll we'll have this story as well nicole and tj i appreciate you giving me some time today uh thank you for your reporting and thanks for coming on the sports media podcast
2: thank you so much for having us
1: thanks richard
0: okay back in the studio my thanks to tj quinn and nicole noren for their time and for their reporting if you like these kind of conversations uh please head to the archive page there should be some stuff that you will be interested in podcast before this was fox sports and los angeles dodgers play-by-play broadcaster joe davis and Brick giroli Athletic. They talked about the World Baseball Classic. Joe Davis talked about calling the uh, incredible Otani versus Trout moment. Britt talks about the future of the the World Baseball Classic and where Otani may land. Had Kevin Harlan last week uh, to talk about his uh, call that went viral and uh, Jeff Perlman as well, the best-selling author. Rhea Ripley, uh, speaking to WrestleMania week, she talked about the nexus of wrestling and media. Also had CBS Sports uh, senior writer Matt Norlander covering the NCAA tournament. We've done some shows on Formula One, on Apple, uh, MLS's New Deal, and obviously a lot of media conversations just sort of about whatever the topic of the moment was. If you like these kind of conversations, please leave us a five-star review and a nice note. That is how this podcast continues. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for his hard work. Thanks to everybody at 13 for their support. And thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.